Hello and welcome to This World is Mental, which has been developed from the Wellness Wednesday feature, regular feature on Bay Radio, which is where I come into things, and being extended out to a regular podcast now. So this, focusing on the mental health side of things with some inspirational stories and maybe some advice along the way and one or two other health topics, and presented with your regular hosts, Robbie Thompson and Francesca Stutley, who both of whom are here. Now, Robbie, what business have you getting involved in health matters? So what got me started on this is exploring the CBD space. Um, you can probably tell from my voice, I'm from the U.S., um, from Los Angeles, but I'm living in Spain now. Um, being from California, um, there's a big cannabis culture and all that. I never really got into that, but what I always believed in is natural remedies for things like anxiety. So, yeah, in my background, I've been a firefighter for the state of California. Um, I was ranked top hiker in Southern California, and I was on the number one fire cutting crew um, where health was a big part of it. Um, I prided my success on leading a healthy life, you know, working out. Um, but I didn't always have the tools to be in peak form. I, I found that I didn't know how to eat and this and that. Um, fast forward um, to today, I'm running a CBD company and I've been approached by Bay Radio to do a health show. The health show was initially focused on CBD stuff, but it just didn't feel right, didn't sit right with me. So what happened was I got a bit of help from Francesca Sutley, who's my co-host on this podcast and been my co-host on Bay. And we started exploring people's health journeys, right? Um, so we started exploring people that have overcome Adversities, you know, um, with with health, I name it be cancer, um, PTSD, just a whole bevy of issues that you know most people can relate to in one way or another, either directly or indirectly. And as we started exploring th- these issues and how people were so innovative and overcome these things, it became really interesting. And we thought, what better way to you know to to get the word out than than a podcast and uh, that's why we kind of started this every time i talk to you there's something new i find out about you i mean we know each other quite well and being sort of working pretty closely geographically but um <laughs> the fire i sort of knew the firefighting side but not that uh, sort of in depth and the the cutting team and all that but there, there have been other things as well um work and life wise that would have you know, geared you towards the health side of things by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's actually a funny story. Um, My family's really, um, they're an engineer-led family. So uh, very on, off, you know, just either something's working or it's not. um, And I wanted to break away from that. And what happened is my brother, sister, and I, we've all become more creative-led and abstract. So I didn't take the typical path towards a career, um, I got into the firefighting. Uh, at the time, there was a war in Iraq. Um, I just didn't want to be a part of that. But I wanted to do something with a team, and I wanted to do something good for the community. So uh went into that full-hearted, um, really buckled down on studying, got all my certifications, and then joined CDF out of San Bernardino. I joined San Bernardino's side because it was the most active fire region in the, in the state. And I thought I would get the, you know, most opportunities to be on helicopters, to be doing awesome, uh, you know, conservation projects during the off season. Um, what happened was I was young. I was really ambitious. And, um, you know, people saw that. I, I raised up the ranks pretty fast. 
And I got to do some really interesting stuff being so young, like a lot of search and rescue, people driving off of mountainsides, a lot of property rescue, uh, hotlining. So what that is, is a live fire encircling a town. And my job would be like jump up on the roofs, create ventilation, get inside and save whatever artifacts from the family I could. Um, typically, I'd jump inside and try to save any personal photos. At that time, this was like early 2000s. There's no cell phone cameras. You know, photos were developed, you know, at a store. Um, so, and they're irreplaceable. So I'd get those um, and usually bury them in the ground and then, you know, let the people know where they were. Um, as a firefighter, you, you, you think of firefighter, oh, they're just sitting in front of the firehouse all day. And that's anything but the case. You know, we've, I've, I've had friends that, who have perished in fires. Esperanza fire, I had eight friends die in a matter of seconds. Uh, we found out through um, headquarters and IC that the fire was moving at 80 feet per second um, and that they had actually, their lungs vaporized before they even knew the fire was going to burn them. Um, really bad. And then going back through that, that debris, finding melted radios, you know, like fire truck completely destroyed. Um, so that stuff had a huge effect on me being so young, um, especially when I was fighting that fire myself. I was um, one change of the wind direction and I was done, sure. you know, but going from that moment, um, I went into my approach with firefighting a bit differently than like a gung ho kind of like, let's go guy. And you know, started using my mind more um, in learning the concepts of fire. Um, and it was really, if I'm honest, just to avoid having that situation happen to me, like somebody finding my remains, you know, on the side of, mm -hmm. uh, of you know, the burn there. Um, so, yeah, I had a deep heart-to-heart -heart conversation with my captain, um, and he said, you know, hey, like, Maybe you sh I think you're smarter than just firefighting. Maybe you should look at something that you really want to do. So I went back to school, got biz my business degree, and then started working for marketing agency. And I thought it was really, you know, clean corner, kind of cut job, you know, corporate life. But then I started getting these opportunities to do CSR work for big corporations. CSR works corporate social responsibility. Nice. Um, so one of the projects I've had that I'm super proud of is this initiative with Hyundai called Hope on Wheels. Hope on Wheels um, raises money for pediatric cancer research across the U.S. I think every uh, vehicle sold by Hyundai, $14 is donated to this fund, and we do a lot of fundraising um, outside of that. Um, right now, I think they just crossed the $200 million mark, and they, get, they have the money. They assign research grants to you know universities, pediatric hospitals. And it's all vetted by a board of doctors, really good people. My job was um, connecting these hospitals and these research facilities with the fund. Um, and part of that, I would have to go to the oncology unit, pediatric side. Um, and I've never seen a kid with cancer before. Um, and walking into there... Um, yeah, I left that day crying because it's just not fair. I mean, these kids never smoked a cigarette. They never had a drop of alcohol. It was just terrible. What was great was I was able to pivot that sorrow into a really potent drive to help as much as I could, even if it was the dumbest little things like getting somebody coffee or, you know, writing outreach emails that probably never be read. Um, every single step I made was intentional 
And it was all driven by these images of these poor kids. So I was with that campaign for about three years, and we grew so much. Um, and it was just like the pride of my life. You know, it was like my kid. Um, from that, I mean, with the pleasure came, came the pain. I was on planes maybe over 100 times a year. I was doing 110-hour weeks. I had no life. My relationships were suffering. No kids, you know, in my mid-30s. I started coming out to Spain just on holiday, and I fell in love with the culture. I fell in love with the lifestyle, and I thought this is exactly what I needed. So I got out here, and yeah, it got a little tough with COVID, but fortunately I came through, and I was able to take what I've learned from firefighting, from marketing agency stuff, and from these kids fighting cancer, and kind of package that up into a useful kind of um, position to host a show about health. By the grace of God and everything, I uh, met Fran, who's been amazing. Um, she's continued my growth into the health space and really piqued my interest. And yeah, she invited me to one of her detox classes, which I did, um, and really learned how to reprogram my mind and make every choice, just like I was doing with the pediatric stuff, um, every choice I make for myself intentional and looking at the big picture outcome of that. So very fortunate. Mm, I mean, that sort of life experience, that's, you know, that really does help you in whatever you're doing, I'd imagine, because I said, I thought I'd done a couple of three job, moved around a bit, but <laughs> make me feel like a piece of cheese over here. I mean, that's extraordinary. The, the tale. I, mean, I, was, I was going to ask you why, you know, you, you were in LA, why would you leave there? But yes, you've explained it perfectly there. Of course, mm. you needed that break from it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I know you've already got a lot of things in place here for these series of podcasts ahead, plenty to keep people interested. But as an extra incentive, we're going to give someone listening the chance to win an iPad. So a new iPad and a year subscription to the app Headspace, which is well worth going for. Just two steps to be able to enter. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that's what we're after. So if you find our show on there, This World is Mental, scroll down to the bottom, click on Leave a Review to leave a review and then if you head over to the website thisworldismental.com and click on the contest banner you can just complete the short survey there and that's it so we'll be looking out for our favourite reviews extra points for details on how the show may have helped you or maybe you mentioned your favourite guest so far you could even suggest a topic to cover for a future episode so the draw for this to win the iPad and a year's subscription to the Headspace app made on the 4th of January 2023 so good luck have a look on the website thisworldismental.com for all the details and best of luck. Now, we've heard from Robbie about making the move over to Spain. Things a little bit more laid back here, as Fran can attest to you. Fran, you've been in Spain for a while now. Uh, someone else that's made the move here. Now, follow that, by the way. I know. Uh, you have to follow Robbie's life story with your own. My goodness, it seems... <laughs> no pressure. I was silenced, which is uh, quite quite rare. That's I have no thing. idea. You know, you've known him for a while, same as me. Know. You know, it's just new stuff every time we speak. You know what interests me, though, is you think you know somebody until you really... How are you? Yeah, fine. Hi. How are you? What makes you tick? That really interests me. And I was actually—I actually lived in California for a while. Uh, my son was born there, and when he was uh, three, my um, husband, who's now my ex-husband, who's now my deceased ex-husband, um, he—we uh, decided to move back to Europe because I didn't want my son to um, have to go through a metal detector when he went to school. And there were a lot of killings, and I just thought, no, this is not how I want my, to bring up my son. So anyway, we moved to France. And uh, for a year, which I uh, couldn't settle. And then we came to Spain, very happy in Spain. So my health journey is I, um, I was a very active, athletic kid. And then I went to a very academic school and didn't like it at all. 
and I uh, was very unhappy and I, was, I felt unhappy in my in my mind, in my body, didn't feel comfortable. Anyway, when I was about 21, I went traveling, went around the world with a friend and um, went to have this great adventure. And I went to India first or we went to India first and I got food poisoning, which everybody gets, deli belly. And then I went one step further and got amoebic dysentery and um, I was extremely ill. I ended up, we went to Thailand and I could hardly walk when I got there and went into hospital and I was there for a week and uh, was treated, thank goodness, in a great American hospital. But I was extremely, extremely ill and I looked at myself in the mirror one day and I didn't recognise myself. I'd lost so much weight in a week. And um, I recuperated there for a bit and then we went on to Australia, which was our plan. And on the plane, my knees, my feet swelled up and we got off the plane. I got into a wheelchair because my legs would not hold me up, which was terrifying for anybody, especially when you're 21. I didn't know what was happening. I couldn't hold my own weight up. And we went straight to another hospital and got admitted there and they didn't know what was wrong with me. And um, my knees, my feet were swollen, my hands were stiff and they did all sorts of tests on me. And luckily I bought my health insurance the day before I left. And it was decided that I had reactive arthritis from food poisoning because um, I'd been so dehydrated. So it started this on-off, on-off arthritis, which was hideous. I couldn't walk properly, I was limping. One day it was okay, next day it wasn't. And nobody really had the answer. So it started me on my own journey. Some people said rest it. Some people said heat it. Some people said, uh, you know, cool it. Some people said exercise. It was just all this mishmash of advice from experts. So I went on my own, started my own journey, really. And I um, tried all sorts of things, went on to the States. I was with my friend the whole time. She carried my backpack. I couldn't hold my own backpack. And uh, when I got to the States, I had a massage from a woman and... Uh, she was recommended to me she, and she said, I've just had this massage from this woman. She made it, And I cried. I thought, oh, wow, that's pretty emotional. What's going on there? So I had a massage from this uh, woman, this type of massage, a bodywork called the Rosen Method. Of course, I cried. There was so much release and I didn't know what it was. And um, after I walked down the street, it was a real light bulb, life changing moment for me. I walked down the street and I felt so peaceful and so connected to myself I just thought I feel so great and so comfortable that whatever that was, I'm going to learn it. And so I looked into it and um, I didn't have a green card at the time. I couldn't stay in the States. The only other place that taught it was in Sweden. I thought I'd go to Sweden, learn Swedish. And in the end, cut a very long story short, I stayed in the States, married an American guy and I did my training there. And it started my whole journey of um, learning to feel comfortable in my own skin and it's a, it's, a, it's a long training. It take, took me four years, but it was worth every second. So that's why I feel so compelled about health, about well-being mentally and physically. And it works on the unconscious body. So that's what I do. I also teach yoga because I'm very interested in, in the body. And I did my yoga training in Madrid. And then I wanted to know about the unconscious mind. So I studied NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which is the study of how you take information um, from the world. You can re re program it yourself and then you see the world in a different way. So that's what got me on my health journey. And this is probably quite hard to answer now, but how sceptical would you have been before you got into uh, talking about NLP, the Rosen method of things that lent towards more the spiritual side and dare we say holistic side compared to the traditional forms of exercise, diet and medicine? So yeah, uh, I can answer that really mm. or give my opinion. Yeah, I think from my firefighting days, I was the more traditional like eat meat, 
exercise twice yeah. a day, you know, uh, some protein powder like that, like really narrow-minded approach to things. Um, and so when I met spirit, I've had spiritual roommates. I've had people that are into all kinds of holistic healing things. Um, and there was always a shadow of a doubt in my earlier years. And it was probably just because I was so focused on this trendy, you know, kind of uh, health fads that were going on. Uh, it's not until I like really slowed down, took, you know, work out of the equation, came to Spain, that I started dissecting the things that matter and the things that make me personally feel good. The biggest trove of that came from Fran. Um, what Fran was able to teach me um, really, really, as I said earlier, made me intentional with, um, you know, when I buy things from the store, I want to know where they're from. I want to know what they do. And I want to know if they work together with the other things that I'm using that day. And so when Fran speaks about, you know, um, NLP, about, you know, different techniques that she does, Rosen Method, it, it, it makes me listen. And it makes me feel that there's a lot of validity there. Um, so, you know, throughout the journey of us on this podcast, um, I invite everybody to take notice of that, you know, see, watch me become a, a firm believer in, in that. Um, and I can say this, that I know we're all made of energy. Um, I know we project energies. And, you know, if you doubt that, just see, put an angry face on for a few minutes and walk around your house and see how people feel. Um, so just just be aware of that. Uh, and I totally invite you to watch my transformation. I think for me, I don't know if I was sceptical, but when I was told I had arthritis, my next door neighbour growing up in London, she had arthritis. At 40, her hands, she had rheumatoid arthritis and her hands were starting to claw. And my first thought was, I don't want to end up like Charmaine. That was my first thought. And then I saw a, I, nobody had the answer. And this, I just thought all these specialists, doctors, didn't have the answer for me. So the answer's got to come from me, which is a really huge thing was is when people start taking responsibility for their feelings, for their thoughts, for their health, for their choices, that's where it changes because we're always trying to blame other people or look for the answer or go to the doctor to give me something. But I really believe that it has to start from you. And what did it for me as well was when I came back to London, I was away for nearly two years, going to see all sorts of specialists, trying new things uh, by myself, came back and I saw a homeopathic doctor and he told me what to eat. And when I changed my diet, that's when things really, really worked for me. He told me to stop eating meat, acidic things, sugar, tomatoes, uh, spinach. There was a list of things. And I haven't eaten meat for 30 years. Um, but for me, it was a no-brainer. Either you eat this stuff, this rubbish, or you eat a healthy way, you can either walk or don't. So for me, it was a no-brainer. I want to walk, I want to eat, I'm going to do what this particular uh, doctor told me, a homeopathic doctor. So, but what there's kind of this fuzzy area. If we all knew when we ate a piece of chocolate cake that it was going to make you, make you give you a, a sugar spike, we know that. We know it's going to make us um, maybe put on weight. We know that. But if you could see it directly, then people wouldn't do it. If you could see it going through your system, if we were transparent and you could see how hard your body works to try and digest it, then we would make different choices. But there's this, this fuzzy area. Mm. And um, for me, it was a no-brainer because I couldn't walk. No, but also there's a fuzzy area. When you mention the word homeopathy or homeopathic doctor, people shrink from that immediately because there's a limit, isn't there? I mean, what you've described there, cutting out meat and sugar and the like, that's that's sort of basic 
black and white stuff. But when it gets towards some of the, the old flowers that you find only in one part of the world, that sort of thing, that's where people become a bit sceptical, don't they? Yeah, they do. And I th- no one way to eat works for everybody. Mm. You know, you have to find your own way. For me, for what, what I was told worked for me, and I'm, just, I'm not saying that people shouldn't eat meat, people can eat what they want, but just make the choices and do what feels right for you. That's what I really, it's about tuning in to yourself and getting to know yourself. It's know thyself. Know yourself what makes work, what works for you. Mm. Because we get this, this mind fog where we know, there's, this is where the NLP comes in. You know you shouldn't eat 15 donuts, but people still do. So what can you do? What can the mind do to stop this addiction, to change the way you think, to change the way you feel, to change the action, to take different and to get different results? Mm. So that's what I wanted to marry everything together, to look at our whole being, because it's no one thing. You're right. People do know what to do and they know what's wrong. But either, you know, you don't have the time, you have to grab something on the go or you just haven't sat down and analysed it completely. Mm-hmm. You just carry on. I'll do that one day. We'll get around to it. And it just doesn't happen, does it? So with, with the um, the podcast then, Robbie, where do you see it going? What sort of things are we going to get involved with? Um, yeah, honestly, uh, if I said there was one main goal for the podcast, it would be to arm and enrich anybody that listens with the tools and tips they need. Um, to lead a, a healthier life. Um, also, that is probably going to be driven by a lot of examples. We want to get a lot of people on here that have overcome health issues in their life. Um, I love how people become so innovative and look far outside of their comfort zone when they need to. And I think that's interesting for our audience. And personally, I'm here to learn. I, I want to lead a healthy, positive life. Um, I don't have all the answers, so I'm turning to the public to find out um, what works for me and for all of you out there, every, everybody that's listening. That's my big goal with it. I second that. It's to it's to share it's to share stories and to hear from from real people how they've overcome adversity or made choices for themselves that, that benefits everybody else. And we're not necessarily looking for alternative things that they've found. It could be that they've got into a regular exercise routine, going to the gym, the normal stuff, and eating properly, as long as the story's inspirational. We want to hear from you. And I know for a fact, as well as inviting correspondence from anyone listening to this, you'll be bringing in your own guests anyway. And it looks like we're kicking off next week with somebody we both know, and it's a big subject at the moment. That's right, yeah. Next week we have Richard McHenry, um, who's ex-Royal Marine, who's gone on to do tremendous things for refugees, out of Ukraine. I hate saying that word refugees, but um, people displaced by the conflict in Ukraine. Um, he also suffers from PTSD, but he's had such an amazing life and how he's overcome that stumbling block I think is a fantastic story for our audience. And we do our best at the end of every episode to crowbar in the catchphrase, which is change your mind and it will change you. Thanks for listening to This World is Mental. This episode's primarily sponsored by Pure Organic CBD. Go to pureorganiccbd.com and use promotional code 20podcast for 20% off your first order. You can follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram and stay tuned here for more episodes. Thanks for listening.